You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets, so it will be Isaiah. Um, if, you, if you go to Psalms and you keep going, it'll be Isaiah, and then you'll come upon uh, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel follows that. So if you find Ezekiel, go backwards, you'll find Jeremiah there. Jeremiah 29. <clears throat> when I was a little girl growing up, Uh, there was this classic religious tagline, and that went something like this. God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Anybody ever hear that? And, And as a little girl growing up, I loved it. I loved the idea that not only did God love me, but that he had a wonderful plan for my life. And that, that just excited me. And, uh, but then life happened. <laughs> and, and I found out that God's plan for my life didn't always seem wonderful. And at times, it, I, I, I didn't feel like the circumstances of my life were good evidence that God even loved me. In fact, it seemed to point to just the opposite. And, and so I want to ask you a question tonight. And, and maybe you've never been in this place. Maybe you, you, you live in a place where God's plan for you is wonderful and you are happy and, and peachy keen honky dory. But I'm just going to tell you, sometimes life happens. And sometimes for me, I look at my life and say, God, I thought you said you had a wonderful plan for my life. I thought you said you wanted to prosper me and not harm me. I, I thought you wanted to give me a hope and a future. And sometimes... The circumstances of my life can cloud, can cloud it for me. And I, I don't often, um, sometimes the circumstances can make me question whether God's plan is really good. Can I tell you God's plan is always good? And that's what I want to talk to you tonight in Jeremiah 29. But would you just pray with me first? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's powerful and it's active. I thank you that I can rest, that it never returns void, that tonight in this place it's going to go forth and prosper. But Father, you know that that I have so much that I want to say, and and I don't feel like my notes are organized, and I just thank you, Father, that you do know what you want me to say. And I just ask, Father, humbly, that you would would just speak through me, that you you would speak and let me hear your voice, and I would say only what you tell me to say. And Father, that you would shine a light of revelation on your word tonight, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. Father, help me to teach with clarity, with great effectiveness. And Lord God, I pray that that your people, myself included, would leave here tonight changed because we've been in the presence of a holy God. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Jeremiah 29, I'll read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 4. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, the prophets, and all of the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused, and I want you to really pay attention. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and, and I want you to see how many times God says, I carried them away captive. In fact, I highlighted it in my Bible. There are six times that he says that. So thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. And here's the classic verse that we all know, many of you even have it memorized, but let's keep it in context tonight. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. As I said, most of us can quote that scripture. We know it well and we pray it over people who are struggling. God knows the plans that he has for you and they're to prosper you and to harm, not to harm you. They're to give you a hope and a future. Well, when we have a family graduating from high school or college, we include that in, his, in their card. We say, God knows the plans that he has for you and they're to prosper you and not to harm you. They're to give you a hope and a future. It's a classic verse. But I want to just talk to you a little bit about the background behind that verse. So often we use it, we quote it, and we really don't know the foundation where it's coming from. And this is a promise, as I said, that God made through the prophet Jeremiah. And when he gave this promise, it was to a people who were in bondage and captivity. They were living with people who had destroyed their city, who had destroyed their lives, who had stripped them of their hope and their joy, and who had really taken their future from them. Uh, he talks often about uh, you, and that word you he uses is really plural. He's talking about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. It's a, it's a promise for a nation. But I, I will just tell you tonight, we're going to make application to our own individual lives. But keep in mind that this promise was to the, the nation of Israel. And what happened to, to the nation of Israel in this story and, and most of Jeremiah is that they were living in Jerusalem. You know that is the Israelites were in, in Jerusalem and, and all of a sudden the, Babylon, the Babylonians came and they took them captive. They carried them away in exile. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed everything that people had, their homes, the temple, everything was destroyed. 
And then they carried them away captive to Babylon. And, and you'll see here that, that it says that God says that you're not just going to be there temporarily. You're going to be there for 70 years. Now remember, these are a people who they have seen God's miraculous work. They've seen what God can do. God has, has saved them and delivered them time after time after time. You know the Israelites were in Egypt and God delivered them out of Egypt miraculously. And that, this is the same God, the same Israelites who they were crossing the Red Sea. They were being chased by the Egyptians and they were crossing the Red Sea and God lifted up the Red Sea in a miracle and delivered them and saved them miraculously. They went across on dry ground. The, the waves, the, the water came down on the, 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 the Egyptians and killed them all. These were the same Israelites that had seen God get water out of a rock. They had seen God do miraculous things and deliver them like that. And, and now, now they're in captivity and they want out because captivity is not fun. Can I just tell you that? And, and they want out of there. They want their lives back. And, and they have these false prophets because false prophets are everywhere. Can I just tell you that? And false prophets will tell you what you think that, that what they think you want to hear. And false prophets will keep you comfortable in your sin. False prophets will tell you whatever the feel-good message is that you want, but I'm just going to tell you, God doesn't always give a feel-good message. And false prophets had come, and they were saying to the, the Israelites, you're only going to be here for two years. God's going to deliver you out of this in two years. And they were preaching peace and peace, and there was no peace. And, and God says, he comes along and he says, they're wrong. They're false prophets. Let me just tell you, you're not just going to be in captivity for two years. You're going to be there for 70 years. 70 years. I'm not 70. Can you imagine? 70 years. Longer than my life living captive. Most of those people would die in captivity. Are you with me? And they're thinking, where is this God who miraculously delivered us? And why is he not going to deliver us out of captivity from the, Babylon, the Babylonians? And so God issues this, this letter that was delivered through Jeremiah. And he says, not only am I going to leave you there for 70 years, here's what I want you to do. And look at Jeremiah 29 again. He says, I want you <laughs> to build houses and dwell in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat their fruit. I want you to take wives and beget sons. I, I, I want those sons and daughters to marry and have children of their own. In other words, you're going to be there for a while. Get down and get comfy. Settle in. And you see, they didn't want to settle in. They wanted to believe the false prophets. They wanted to think this thing was going to go quickly and everything was going to be peachy keen, honky-dory. I want you to notice that they were taken away. They were taken captive. Uh, they didn't have a choice. They didn't do anything to deserve to be captive. And so I want to flesh this out with you and make it practical in your own life. Some of you are sitting here tonight captive. You're captive to, to bitterness and unforgiveness. You're captive because somebody carried you away because of something they did to you. Somehow they hurt you. And now you're sitting captive in bitterness or unforgiveness or anger. Some of you are sitting captive and enslaved to fear or anxiety because of something that happened to you maybe as a little boy or a little girl. And you were carried away captive to those things. 
Some of you are sitting here tonight and, and you're captive to addiction because of pain deep in your life and you're enslaved to that addiction and it's because of something that you had to endure that you should not have had to endure and you're just numbing the pain. What are you captive to tonight? You see, a captive is somebody who, does, who didn't do anything and he was taken against his will. A prisoner, now a prisoner did something to deserve to be enslaved. But it doesn't matter because uh, uh, Isaiah tells us that Jesus, that God came to set the captives free and to release the prisoners from darkness. It doesn't matter if you did something to deserve it or, or if you got carried away captive against your will doesn't matter. God came to release those captives and set those prisoners free. It doesn't matter. He'll still, he still wants to do, to do that. But I want to ask you tonight, are you sitting here captive or bound by something? Maybe you're in a stronghold of despair and, and depression. It's interesting to me that, uh, that God did, didn't tell the Israelites to strike back. He didn't tell them to fight. He told them to settle down and get comfortable. And then he says, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to seek peace. Seek the peace of that city. And that word peace means welfare. Seek the welfare of the very people who carried you away captive. I want you to do that. And I want you to pray to me about them. And here, here's why I want you to do that. Because in doing that, the, the peace that they receive, you will also get. You will live in peace because of it. Now, can you just imagine that? Here are the Israelites. They've been carried away captive. The very people who they're living with have stripped them of everything. That They've hurt them deeply. They've destroyed their hope and their future. They've destroyed things that were important to them. They've really hurt their lives. And then God comes along and he says, now here's the thing. You're going to be there for 70 years, so settle down and get comfy cozy. Make the best out of what you're living in. See, some of you are living in hard situations at home. Some of you are living in hard situations at work. Some of you just have hard situations. And, and God says to you tonight, instead of pouting about it, instead of whining about it, can you build houses and settle down? Can you make the best out of the situation that you're in because you believe that my plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. They're to give you a hope. And if So he's saying to these people, the very people who carried you away captive, the very people who hurt you deeply... I want you to now pray for their peace. I, I want you to pray for their welfare. Pray that things go well in their life. Because when you start to do that, things are going to go well for you as well. Isn't that funny how God has us do that? I wonder who you're sitting with tonight, who you're living with, who, who, who you're in friendship with, who, who's in your life, who really has been responsible for you to live captive, for you to live in pain, for you to live in bondage, or maybe the one who's responsible for you living in unforgiveness and hatred and anger. The one you blame for that. And God is saying tonight, I want you to pray for that person. I want you to pray for their well-being, for, for their peace. Will you do that? Will you do that? Will, because do you understand that when you do that, you yourself will begin to live in peace? 
See, that goes against everything we want to believe. We want to believe that we can get vengeance. We want to believe that, that God is going to deliver us from this thing. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes God lets me in captivity. God lets me in that hard place because he wants to form something in me that can only be formed in that situation. And so he says, rebuild some houses, settle down, make yourself comfortable because we are working something in you that can only be worked this way. Do you understand that I know the plans that I have for you? And their plans for good, Rhea, no matter how it feels, their plans for good, they're to prosper you. They're to give you a hope and a future, Rhea. I know it doesn't feel like it right now. I know that thing that you're going through, it doesn't feel like it. But can you, in the midst of that captivity, say, God, I believe that you have good plans for me. I believe that you're going to prosper me. I believe you're going to give me a hope and a future. Can you do that? It's interesting to me that the Israelites didn't fight back. They didn't get angry. They didn't try to get vengeance. And isn't that what happens? They didn't try to get vengeance. I, I came across an Oswald Chambers quote this week that I want to share with you. He says, we are not fundamentally free of external circumstances are not in our hands. They are in God's hands. The one thing which we are free is in our personal relationship to God. We are not responsible for the circumstances we are in, but we are responsible for the way we allow those circumstances to affect us. We can either allow them to get on top of us, or we can allow them to transform us in who God wants us to be. I want you to see that he says, I want you to build houses. I'm sorry, Dave, I have to come down here. He says, I want you to build houses. I I want you to, to really settle down here. I want you to have children. I want you to move on with your life in the midst of this painful situation, in the midst of this hardship. I want you to get on with your life. I want you to embrace the pain and not waste it. See, some of you are sitting here tonight and you need to hear God say, I want you to embrace the pain and not waste it. And you're still waiting for him to fly in on his white horse and deliver you from it he may he may but maybe just maybe he has something that he wants to form in you let me just share from my own life many of you know that I've shared this openly I'm an open book and and I'm going through a very very difficult time in my life this this past year of my life has been one of the hardest years I've ever ever had to live and I've been through some pain but this past year has been the worst ever And I cried out to God for deliverance. I I cried out to him, Lord, can you fix this situation? God, can you come through for me? Can I just see your faithfulness here, Lord? Where are you? And I had some behaviors because of what I went through. I, I had some things that were holding me captive. Can I just tell you, unforgiveness will hold you captive. Bitterness will hold you captive. Anger will hold you captive. Fear will hold you captive. Hate will hold you captive. And so for for several months, I lived pity party of one. Let me just tell you what I've gone through. Let me tell you how hard it is. Let me tell you how I got ripped off. And then God said, Rhea, do you know that I know the plans I have for you? And what if this was all a part of it? What if, Rhea, you can't see it right now, but what if I want to use this very thing that the enemy meant for evil and I want to turn it around and use it for good? Can you embrace it, Rhea, rather than fight against it? You see, that's what the Israelites were told. 
I know this is hard. I, I know you don't like this. I know this is way out of your comfort zone. I know they did you dirty, but I'm asking you to seek the peace of this city. Seek the peace of these people who pulled you into captivity. Pray for them. Because when you start to embrace what I told you to do, the peace, your peace will come as well. And then he says, I want you to increase and not diminish. Oh, that's so good. Can I just tell you how good that is? That word increase, it means to become large. It means to become strong. Oh, can I tell you, whatever you're going through right now, and I know some of your stories, I know that it's hard, but I promise you that if you embrace it rather than fight against it, if you embrace it and and run to God and seek him, he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you know, I came across a commentator that said that word heart there, it means the totality of your being. But he says it means with all of your will. In other words, you're not going to want to seek me. You're going to want to be angry. You're going to want to be pouting. You're going to want to be sitting in depression and despair. But if you will it, if you say in the midst of this hard time, I will choose to seek you, Lord. And I'll choose to seek you with all of my will. Even when I don't feel like it, I will get out of bed and seek you. Even when I don't feel like it, I will spend time in your word and in prayer. Because I believe that when I seek you with all of my heart, I will be found by you. And you will lead me out of this captivity. He's the only way out of the captivity. He is your only answer. And some of you are sitting here tonight in hard spots. You're, you're sitting here in difficult situations. You got some, maybe, maybe your home life isn't good. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with, with a hard situation at home. Maybe you're dealing with a prodigal child that you wonder will ever come, if, if they'll ever come back and, and they cause you more pain and heartache than you ever dreamed possible. Maybe you're with a spouse who left you for somebody younger and you are left alone in a wilderness, captive to, to, to bitterness and unforgiveness because of it. Maybe you go to work every day with somebody who's really difficult to work with and, and you really feel like, Lord, why do you have me here and can't I find a new job? Maybe you're in captivity to, to self-pity and, and self-hatred. Maybe you're in captivity to an addiction. And the temptation is to question God and to question his goodness. Are you even there, Lord? Why aren't you delivering me? Why aren't you coming through for me? Do you really have plans for good? Because this feels like it's evil. This feels like it's harming me, Lord. Do you really have my best interest at heart, Lord? Yes. Yes. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I want you to increase in this place that you're at. I'm going to use this thing in your life to make you increase. Can I promise you that every heartache I've ever been through, every trial I've ever had to endure, I promise you it has made me grow stronger. It's matured me. It hasn't diminished me. And you see, you have a choice when you face those hard things in life. Will you allow it to diminish you? Will you become bitter and angry and nasty and unkind? Or will you say, God, I believe that this was part of your plan for my life. What do you want to do with it? What do you want to cultivate in me as a a result of this? And if you embrace that thing, I promise you, you will increase and not diminish. I promise you as you pray for that person, as you pray for that situation, as you bless that person, as you pray for peace for that person, you yourself will begin to walk in it. 
When we hold on to unforgiveness, when we hold on to anger, when we hold on to hatred, when we hold on to, when we want revenge at all costs, when we hold on to, to anxiety and fear and let those things hold us captive, we will not have peace. But it's when we settle down and say, Lord, this is a situation that you allowed in my life. For whatever reason, Lord. And I'm so grateful that you know the plans that you have for me. And that they are plans to prosper me and not to harm me, no matter how this feels. And I believe, Lord, that as I seek you with all my heart, as I put my hope in you, that I will be found by you. And in that place, you will make me strong. I will increase because of it. I will become stronger because of it. Don't waste the pain. You see, that's what Psalm 91 is. Psalm 91 is that place in his presence where it doesn't matter what's going on around you, that the storm can be raging without you, but you around you, but you are undercover. You're under his protection. You are in that place of safety with him. It doesn't mean that the storm will stop. The Israelites found that out. It doesn't mean that they'll be delivered from that captivity right away. But it means in that place, the peace of God will be found. If we embrace it instead of run from it. It's a choice. I've said before you, life and death, he says, choose life. Choose life. I I will tell you that every situation I've been through, and I've been through a lot, and every heartache and heartbreak I've had to endure, those are the things that God used to strengthen me, to show me more of himself, to teach me more about himself. And yet those are the very things that we fight against that we don't want to have to endure. What are you facing tonight? What's your Babylon? It's interesting to me that that word Babylon, if you look it up, it means confusion. Because isn't that what happens when we get carried away into captivity and, and we find ourselves imprisoned and captive? Confusion really starts. What's your Babylon? Let me just flesh it out for you. Maybe as a little girl or a little boy, you were molested. Now as an adult woman or adult man, you live in fear, anxiety. You live with unforgiveness deep within your heart. And you got carried away. You did nothing to deserve that. You got taken against your will. Maybe you're here tonight and you loved your husband with everything in you and you came home to find another woman in your bed or he left you for somebody else and you got carried away captive to pain and heartache, unforgiveness and anger. Maybe you're here tonight and you had a difficult childhood and you got... uh, the, the things that were spoken over you and said to you as a child, you actually believed as truth and the lies that got embedded in you now are making you an ineffective adult and really keeping you bound and captive and you got carried away. You got carried away captive. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You were just a child trying to survive and yet you find yourself captive as a result of it. 
Maybe you're here tonight and it's sickness that, that has really kept you captive and you never have a good day. It's always, you have something always is going on in your life and, and you live in chronic pain and heartache and it's really captivity for you. Maybe you're here tonight and you have a prodigal son or a daughter and, and maybe they're doing drugs or drinking and, and it's constant pain and heartache and worry for you and it feels like captivity. You got carried away. Maybe you're living in a marriage that's hard. Maybe every moment of your life at home is hard. You're choosing to stay because that pleases God, but every day is hard and it seems like it's captivity. Can I tell you that God knows the plans that he has for you? And they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They're plans to give you a hope, hope and a future. Just because you're in those situations doesn't mean that you can't have peace, doesn't mean that you can't be victorious, doesn't mean that you can't triumph over them, doesn't mean that you have to let those things drain you and diminish you. Oh, look at that word, diminish, he says. I don't want you diminished, he says. I want you to increase in that place. In that place of captivity, God says we can increase. Are you kidding me, Lord? Yes, and this is how you do it. You pray for the peace of the city. You pray for the people who are holding you captive. You pray for the people that did this to you. And you pray for them to have peace because when you do that, you will start to get peace. But here's what we want to do. Vengeance, get them back and get them back good, God. And he says, no, no, you got this wrong. In my economy, this is what we do. We pray for peace. We pray for blessing in their life. We pray that they prosper. And in doing that, we begin to prosper. You see, some of you are sitting here tonight and you've been holding on to a fence for a really long time. You've been having your pity party of one like I did for a really long time. You've been living in defeat instead of victory. Defeat is the rule, victory as the exception. Can I tell you that tonight there is a place in God where you can live victoriously in the midst of that captivity in the midst of that heartache, in the midst of that situation, you can live victorious in that place. How do you do that? He says, seek me with all your heart. And when you do that, you will be found by me. I'll find you. And that word find is so interesting. I just want to give you that before we close. Uh, that word find, it means to encounter it means to be made manifest. In other words, he says that when you seek me, and if you miss everything else that I said tonight, make sure you catch this one. He says that when you seek me with all of your heart, with all of your will, because sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, it takes will. You can ask Dave. I get up in the morning and sometimes I have to pull myself out of bed. I really don't want to go study. I really don't want to be with him. Sometimes I just don't. I'm just being honest with you. And sometimes it's an act of the will. When you will it, Rhea, and you seek me with all of your heart, with all of your will, 
You will be found by me. I will find, you will find me. And that word find, I said, means encounter. It means to be made manifest. I'm just going to tell you something. There is nothing better than encountering his presence. You, some people can sit with his word forever and never encounter his presence. But he says that when you seek me with all your heart, in the midst of that captivity, you will be found by me. You'll encounter me. I will be made manifest to you. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't care what kind of pain has to come my way. I want to know him. I want to know him better. I want to encounter him. I don't want my Christian walk just to be going to church on Sunday morning and, and doing my religious duty. I want it to be a place of manifestation, a place of encounter, a place where I get in his presence and everything gets changed. And when that happens... That's how we can live even in the midst of captivity, even in the midst of pain and heartache, even in the midst of disappointment. Some of you say, well, Rhea, you don't know what I'm going home to tonight. You don't know my God who's able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. He can, in that situation, make you triumph. But what is the answer? When you seek me with all your heart. When you get in his presence, in that secret place, Psalm 91, that's a place of protection. It's a place of peace. It's a shelter, even when the storm is raging. This isn't something I studied. It isn't something I preach. It is something that I'm living. And I can dart in and out of that shelter like I can dart in and out of an umbrella. It's a choice to stay undercover, to stay in that place of protection, to stay in that place of presence. Oh, can I tell you, there is nothing better. We were praying tonight in the back room, and his presence, did it not just fall, Karen? His presence just fell in that place. And, and I, could just, I could just feel, I, wanted, I did not want to come back out here. We wanted to all just stay in there and just stay in his presence because it fell. There is nothing better than encountering his presence. You can go to church every Sunday morning and not encounter his presence. You can come to Bible study every Monday night and not encounter his presence. But the breakthrough comes in his presence. I'm going to ask Kelsey to, to come up and, and to close, but, but as she closes, I just, I just want you to, to stand to your feet. I, I want to just surrender some of these things to the Lord tonight. And I, I just... I, I want to just tell you, I read Ray Pritchard is one of my favorite preachers. And, and I was reading something that he wrote just recently. And he talked about how our lives are kind of like, he pictures it like ants on a Rembrandt. So picture the Mona Lisa and picture a little ant walking across the Mona Lisa. Are you with me? And that little ant, all that ant is experiencing is maybe brown for a while. Oh, this is brown, this is brown, this is brown. And as they continue, as the little ant continues across, oh, there's green. And then he gets a little green for a little while, green, 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 green. And oh, there's brown again. And, and then he always sees this brown, 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 maybe a streak of yellow, maybe a streak of blue. But little does he know that if he could just step back and get a different view, it would be a masterpiece that he's a part of but he's only seeing the brown and the green. And for some of us, that's our life. Instead of stepping back and saying, God, everything that is going on in my life, you are using it for, for, for my good and your glory. 
You're redeeming those things and you are making a masterpiece and I have to learn to rest that you know the plans that you have for me. And they are plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Even though it feels like it, I have to make a conscious decision of the will to say, I believe that this thing is going to be used for good. It might look like it's only brown, but I believe it's a masterpiece in in the making. Do you believe that? And so I want to pray tonight for for you just to have a new perspective on the situations that you're in. Somebody sent me a a Jesus calling this week. I I don't read that. uh, I don't have that book. But she sent it to me and she said she just thought this might encourage me. And I want to read that to you before we begin to pray. She said, this is a time in your life when you must learn to let go. To let go of loved ones, of possessions, of control. In order to let go of something that's precious to you, you need to rest in my presence, where you are complete. Take time to bask in the light of my love. As you relax more and more, your grasping hand gradually opens up, releasing your prized possession into my care. You can feel secure even in the midst of cataclysmic changes through awareness of my continual presence. The one who never leaves you is the same one who never changes. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. As you release more and more things into my care, remember I never let go of your hand. Herein lies your security, which no one or no circumstance can ever take from you. That's his presence. It's in that place of his presence that we have peace. It's in that encounter that we feel those burdens lifted. And so I just would ask that you just stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're in a green pasture right now. It's not brown, it's, it's green. And maybe everything is honky-dory, peachy keen for you and you don't have any problems. That's great. Then extend your hand for somebody that does. But for those of you that are willing to look at your life and say, these are some areas of captivity that I've been led away in that I'm being held captive in. And I want to find a way to to rejoice in it. I want to find a way to be free in it. I want to find a way to to be uh, increased instead of diminished. And so, Father, I pray for every person in this room. I thank you, Father, that you know them by name. You know everything about them. You know every intricate detail of their life. You created them. And I thank you, Lord, that you know the plans that you have for them. Their life is not a mistake. It's a carefully planned life. Orchestrated by you. A masterpiece in the making, Lord. Father, I pray for new vision. I pray, Father, that people would begin to look at their circumstances with new eyes. Say, I I might be in this circumstance, but I don't need to be held captive by it. I can find peace that passes all understanding in the midst of it. I can find joy in the midst of it. Because, Lord, it's not my circumstances that, that dictate my life. It's you. And, Father, I pray right now for a desire to seek you. Lord, we can't work that up on our own. And I pray, Father, that you would stir in every person in this room, that you would stir a passion and a hunger for more of you. 
that we would learn to seek you with all of our heart. Knowing that when we do, we'll be found by you. And we'll experience an encounter, a manifestation of your presence. And it's in the safety of your presence, Lord God, that everything diminishes. That perspective comes. And that we begin to understand the masterpiece that you are creating in and through us. And so, Lord, tonight I pray for hands that let go of situations they can't control, heartaches that they can't heal, addictions that they can't break. I thank you, Father, that you say you came to set the captives free and to release the prisoners from darkness. I pray for release tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you that the situation doesn't have to change. It's our perspective in it. So, Lord, I pray for a place of rest in each person here tonight. That we would get deep down inside of us that you really do know you're intimately acquainted with the plans that you have for us. And burn it in us, Lord, that those plans are always, no doubt about it, no exception to the rule, they're always to prosper us and not to harm us. They're to give us a hope and a future. And so, Lord, I pray for hope to begin to arise. New perspective on hard situations and endurance to run the the race well, Lord. Lord, teach us how to pray for those who hurt us. Bless those who abuse us. Help us to learn, Lord, it's in that place of mercy and grace. that we reap, Lord, the rewards of that obedience. That peace will come. Joy will sustain us. And the encounter of your presence will uphold us and carry us through. Would you bless my friends, Lord? Put a fire down in our soul, Lord that we can't contain and we can't control. Because, Lord, I want more of you. We love you, Lord, and we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea, or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger 
in your walk with Christ.